It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Thanks for joining us ahead of an exciting show with arguably the best coach in the world of golf right now. Set to join us as our cherry pick guest as I welcome my co-host, former touring pro Mark Allen and Australian golf media manager Martin Blake. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Tiff. And uh, he hello, may Tiff. well. I think he is the best golf coach in the world, probably. Richie Smith. Yeah, he's the best coach that nobody in the Northern Hemisphere probably knows. <laughs> but uh, he's very, very good. He's our secret weapon. You know, obviously he's got Min Woo and Minji Lee, uh, Anna Green. Who else has he got? Aiden Hopewell. Aiden Hopewell. One of the best amateurs. So he's got some super players. And uh, it'll be good fun so drilling down into, um, you know, it's always you know, a philosophical, a philosophically spoken. Philosophizing. Thank you. <laughs> that, that's not right either. I don't know what you're getting to. <laughs> well, it's also a bit of philosophy. You know, <laughs> you know when, you, when, you, when you find a, a golf coach, they're all a little bit different. Mm. Um, and, and he's on a roll. I mean, let's face it, he's on an absolute roll. Um, what are your highlights for the week? Uh, my highlight of the week is watching what's happening with the PGA Tour and the world, or the DP World Tour. Uh, what what some of the things that were released this week? Um, I'm really happy about, excited about for Australian golf. Bing. Uh, well, the wraparound season's gone. Really hurt us. Mm. It really hurt Australian golf. You know the the fact that they could play 51 weeks a year that hurt our events uh, because the best players. They couldn't afford to come back. I mean, it's, it's nice if you can. It's nice if you can. Um, but in reality, when you're playing for five million US minimum a week, um, and you're playing on the best courses, you're playing against the best players. It's hard to come back for an, uh, an Australian PGA, an Australian Open. It, it just is, uh, and particularly if you're trying to keep your card on that tour, because the best thing you can have and all the European tour because they go around all year as well but seeing those two tours um, meet up um, the PGA Tour has invested up to 40% now into uh, DP World Tour productions that's significant Uh, but to see I think it's not next year but the year after Martin uh, and I will correct it down the track if I'm wrong but it's going to be a calendar year set up to where Yes, next year, I think. Yes, next year. Okay, so it it starts in January, and the FedEx Cup final, the Tour Championship, that'll be in grand final week. So if you like the NRL or the AFL, it's always right around there. So that only goes for, what, nine nine months. So, And only the top 70 will get in the FedEx Cup. Now, that was interesting because if you usually, if you got into the FedEx Cup, top 120 got in, you kept your cart and you kept your job. And, you know, that job you can finish last almost and make a million dollars in prize money alone. Probably the 120th guy makes another 500000 I'm guessing. You know, let's short it. Another 500000 in bonuses. So it's a $1.5 million a year job. When they cut that to 70, I was going, what are they doing this for? This is hard. I mean, it's hard to finish in the top 70 on the PGA Tour. And then you keep on reading. And what they're going to do is have um, – the players from 71 to 120, they'll probably, or probably 71 to 200, they're going to go into the full series of events and try and keep their card. But then you see the international series of events, and that's when, if you have an Australian accent, you're salivating because there'll be limited fields, huge money to get these players going right around the world. And we were talking about going to all corners of the world to see the best Including players everywhere. Here. Yeah, and then that, that is enormous. Now, 
can I can I just spitball just a little bit, all right? Because I I, I would love to see nothing more uh, than the Sandbelt Classic style played out with the best players in Absolutely. the world. Absolutely. And you know, then if 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 the stars do align, if the same sort of thing happened with the top seventy women players as well, and then all of a sudden you've got uh, our best sandbag, our best courses in the country. So Royal Melbourne, Kingston Heath. Let's say let's it's either going to be Victoria or Peninsula. I mean that that's the dream. That, that that's I'm, I'm just dreaming out loud at the moment, uh, and that would be brilliant to see the best players in the world playing some of the best courses. It would yeah. be mag. You know, the two sports that I think of straight away, you've got tennis and Formula One mm. that bring yep. the best into yep. Australia, into Melbourne, really. Yeah. We'll be competing. Golf will be competing on that stage. Yeah. There's nothing better. Yep. And then, and then see, the best bit is then, too, is also you've got an Australian Open, Australian PGA, hopefully around the same time as hopefully we get an international event. And like I said, we don't know anything in this studio here. We don't know. We're just hoping. Uh, but if that happens as well, then – the runoff, you know, maybe maybe you'll see Rory hang around for the Australian PGA or the Australian Open. Maybe you'll see some of the mm. the other players just hanging around. It's a long trip to come down to Australia. You might as well play in a couple. You know, so that means you'll get to Sydney. You'll get to Queensland. Um, New, New Zealand will you? benefit as well. It's New- ironic, isn't it, that out of all the pain that pro golf is going through at the moment, you, you know, there are there are already things yep. happening that are, that are probably, you know, they will end up, Yep. They'll end up being good for the sport. So, yep, yep. And now, now if we if we if we can just continue the dream just for a second, and sorry, it's it's just for the men's just for the moment, but that that'll change. I'm guar- I guarantee it. Will. it. Yep. Um, to have our smaller events. So I'm talking about West Australian Open, West Australian PGA, South Australian Open, Australian PGA, Queensland Open. To have them perhaps on the Challenge Tour. Now you know the pathways that have been opened up just recently have been magnificent. But if if we dare to dream, mm. and everything comes together, mm. to get those smaller events onto the Challenge Tour, I, I don't even know whether it's possible. I know it's been spoken about, but well, I don't know whether theory. it's been possible. But yep, if that if that lines up, then the kids practicing today, mm. uh, make sure you hit the big bucket, guys. Because things are starting to open up. I mean, we're daring. We are all of a sudden in this country daring to dream. Because the jump from the South Pacific to the Northern Hemisphere has always been enormous. You basically have to have a pocket full of cash to do it. I mean, I was lucky. I got off to a good start. I had a pocket full of cash when I was 22. And I was able to get across and, and... you know, I probably played for five or six extra years that I might not because I got off to a good start. If you don't get off to a good start, well, now it doesn't Struggle. matter so much. Yeah, well, well, now at least you can you don't have to travel overseas. Now you can wait for next year, get into these smaller events, play well, get enough money to you know get into the top twenty five, and all of a sudden you'll be a DP World Tour player, and oh. and you've you've missed one year. So you know you can see I'm excited. I, I'm I. I I hope it works out. I know it's what everyone wants, but I just hope it works out. Excitement's palpable. Well, on the back of that, <laughs> Martin, what's your I was just highlight? looking at the highlight of the week. Uh, I agree with Marco, but uh, the Australian court, I was looking at the Golf Digest. They put out a, a biennial mm. uh, world's best golf courses list. Yes. It, it's a funny one because it's not really the world's best yes. because it doesn't include America, the you know, United States. Yeah. So it's the best. Outside of there. Best of the rest. But it's interesting. I mean, um, golf course ratings are very problematic, I think. They're, 
you know, yeah. they're, they're quite biased in some ways. And um, but this this one's one of the better ones. Can I tell you, I was on one once here in Australia, and I jumped, I jumped off it because yeah. the way they did it, abused? it was wrong. No, it was just wrong. Well, there's a lot of architects yeah. on the panel. Yeah, it's wrong. It's bias. It's it was wrong. I didn't. I, I felt wrong, but doing yeah. it. If you're going to do it, you've actually got to do it properly. Yeah. And you can't ask me to rate a golf course that I played 15 years ago. Well, and, the, and, that, and that counts. The Golf That's Digest like. list. Uh, you know, they have judges from everywhere in the world yep. outside of America. Yes. So um, there were six Australian courses in the top 20 and 11 in the top 100, which is pretty damn That's good. I think. Superb. You know, Royal Melbourne West was number four. They don't rate. What Royal the composite. composite, otherwise maybe it's number Royal one. County Down was number one, yeah. uh, but Royal Melbourne what, Composite would be, I would think, close yeah. to number well, one. Can I just can we expand on that? Because uh, mm. again, I was lucky enough to play the Royal Melbourne Composite a lot when I was a pro in the in the nineties. Um, Royal Melbourne West is the number four, rightfully so. Royal Melbourne world, yeah. Royal Melbourne Composite blows the West away. It's amazing. It's, it blows it away. Well, it picks the best out of. Th- where was the east? Well, did the east get in the top? So hunt? the east course is in the top twenty. Yeah, there you go. So you got you know, these two courses, but, but, but yeah. magically, Tiff, when they decided to make a compass because they didn't want people going across the road to Royal mm. Melbourne. There's about six paddocks for people who don't know. If you've never played Royal Melbourne, there's about six, maybe seven paddocks. I oh, know. There's a, yeah. you cross the road a, a number of times on both courses. Yeah. So at the end, they say, "Well, listen, we can't do it. Can we just try and make a course in the middle?" <laughs> anyway, they did, and it just somehow everything was perfect. And mm. this golf course, yeah, many people had come play for the first time. So it's the best course in the world. They go, this is the best. I remember Fred Couples came down and said, if this golf course was in Los Angeles, it's the best golf course in the go. world. Well, there, and there you go. It goes back to what you were talking yeah. about at the top of the show. Kingston Heath's in the top 20. Yep. Cape Wickham's in the top 20. New South Wales and Barn Boogle yep. and Royal Melbourne East are all there. The one that didn't make the top 100 that jumped out at me, and it's actually, well, there's actually two courses there, yeah. is Peninsula. You know, Peninsula Kingswood didn't get in the top 100. It's not in the top 100. Well, that's ridiculous. I think that's wrong. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And what was the other one? Uh, both courses at Peninsula were missed right. out. So it, well, I, that's I don't completely know how that happens. Yeah. That, that's an example of how these ratings yeah. Yeah. can go wrong because clearly the judges have – I don't know what's yeah. happened there because – Th- those courses in particular, yeah. you know, which is the better one, Mark? I always get this mixed up. Well, the, the South? The, the South used to be the best mm. and the North was always had the potential. And now that it's all been done, the North is the best north. and the South mm. is even better than it used to be. So. so my understanding of the Australian rankings is that the North course is sort of up around the top 10 now in Australia. So it's next to therefore, it, therefore yeah. it has to be yeah. in the next 100 in the world. It's ne- I'm, I'm a King's I'm, I'm King South member. I think it's the North at Peninsula is better than Kingston. I'm we'll not going to say better. You'll, you'll be, I'm not saying you'll they, be won't, they won't let me through the gates, but yeah. it's uh, it's right up. It's, it's neck and neck. All right, I'll tell you my highlight. You talk about bringing yeah. the best players to Australia in the world. Well, what about the best athletes in the world? The Icon Series, which has 24 of the best athletes. They're basically, they're the legends of sport. Uh, Brian Lara, Ricky Ponting, Ernie yeah. Els, uh, George Gregan, Ash Barty. The only female out of the uh, 24 who started at the inaugural event, which was uh, in, I think it was over yeah. in, I don't know, New York or thereabouts. Um, and she won her singles match against a Super Bowl 
Tackle, Andrew, oh, really? Andrew Whitworth, Whitworth, who is 201 yeah. centimetres and 150 kilos. <laughs> Did you see the She's photo of her shaking hands with him? No, yeah. no. I said to someone, he looked like he could have eaten her. <laughs> no. Anyway, she won, and and there, there's uh, definite talk that they are coming to Australia and oh, she'll be leading the charge. So looking you forward to that. You love this stuff, don't you, Tiff? I love it. A little and bit of an alternate format. Absolutely. And Ash Barty. Can we get her across the golf? One, I'm putting absolutely. that in your camp. Oh, I'm trying my best. I'll say she's, her so golf swing's getting better. I really, you know, her golf swing, you know, it was a really good amateur's golf swing. But I had a look at it in New York, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's better. It's better than it was. It's so good. I've said to people, a lot of people ask me about whether Ash Barty could play pro golf. And I've, I always no. say the same thing, which is uh, a three handicap or a four handicap is a long way from being a top yeah. touring pro golfer. But she hasn't yeah. been, she hasn't been practicing be much. Plus four, yeah. plus five, but she doesn't. Yeah. Wouldn't have a coach necessarily. I yeah. mean, I know her boyfriend. It's, it'd be a bit like is, is a, a touring a uh, training pro or something. Mm. But, yeah, uh, it'd be a bit like Paul Gallen when he first started boxing. You know, yeah. he can box, but put him up against someone who's really good. Yeah, and it just it doesn't make sense. Well, the great yeah. thing is she's enjoying her golf, which is fabulous to see. Coming up after this, we've got a man who could perhaps give her a few tips. Our cherry pick guest, one of the best coaches in the world. Stay tuned. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome our cherry pick guest for the week, the man who is steering the careers of world number two, Minji Lee, her brother, Minwoo Lee's number 69 at the moment, and number 18, Hannah Green. Richie Smith, thank you so much for joining us from Perth. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for the invite. Hey, Richie, 2014, you were named Australian Coach of the Year. Minji was just about to turn pro. She was a number one amateur in the world. Can you believe the rise of your three star pupils in the last decade? Uh, I think we could have imagined that Minji was going to be pretty good at that stage. Um, I know that I was asked by the media, maybe yeah, back then, I, they said, what do you think she can get to? And I said, top five. Now, um, I think I said top five because I didn't want to put the pressure of that number one mantle on her. But I reckon she can get to number one now. Um, yeah, and uh, Minwoo, we know he's had talent. We, we've uh, wondered about his work ethic at times, but now he's gaining that work ethic and he's gaining a bit of maturity and he's turning into a pretty damn good golfer. Um, uh, Hannah Green, yeah, if you'd have told me she would have won a major before Minji, I would have said, you you got rocks in your head. But um, she's, um, she's a hell of a hard worker. And the thing about Hannah is you don't really notice how, how tough she is. So I'll give you an example of when um, she played in the last group with Lydia Ko um, in the New Zealand Open. So Lydia's number one in the world and Hannah's an amateur. So Lydia wins the event by four, but Hannah also matched her for the score on that round. So, you know, she's 17 or 18, matching the world number one, and we didn't even know she was that good, mainly because she was hiding in mm. the shadows of Suo and Minji Lee. Isn't it interesting what coaches notice and what goes through to the keeper sometimes for the rest of us? Hey, Richie, uh, I reckon you would see so much talent coming through over there in Perth. I mean, you know, you've got golf courses over there that inspire kids to play. But you've also seen the difference. Uh, and you mentioned hard work. Um, we all know that's the difference. You know, it's not silly. But how much hard work have, you, have these three put in compared to the, you know, maybe some of the kids you have seen – with the talent that didn't go on the being household names? 
Uh, look, Minji's well known for the amount of work she puts in. Um, so she's put in more work than anyone. But I think the other two have put in the same amount of work, but it's more the quality of the work that's better. So I can give you an example there too that, um, you know, we have a stats program. Um, people don't like doing stats because it's boring. <laughs> but those three players have put in more put in more stats than any other players. So the amount of work that they've done might be the same, but the quality of the work is different. And um, that's what a lot of players could understand, that it's not about the hours, it's more about the quality. What sort of stats, Richie? Give us one. Uh, uh, just, you know, like um, they're round stats. So um, we used shots to hold for a while there, and now we're using an up game. Um, they just fill out their, their report on their round, and I get to evaluate what's going on. But, you know, those players have put in more than any of them. Now, you... Coached Minji since I think she was 14, and then Minwoo came along later. Uh, Tell us a little bit about their relationship because they're actually very close, aren't they? Even though they're competitive, they're close. Uh, yeah, I've coached Minji since she was 11. Um, yeah, they're close. They're very close, but they're very um, – they're like yin and yang, those two. Like she's like um, – I like to call her – I like to call both the girls like cyborgs because they're just like machines. Um, smiling cyborgs, and um, he, he's just a smiler. He, uh, yeah, if um, Minwoo put it well, he said that uh, if Minji's life was like a straight line, his is like a squiggle, and um, she's uh, she's pretty hard, and he's he likes a good life, and he's just learning to be a bit more like her, and I think she needs to be a little bit more like him. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, did they play in a match recently? You were telling me about um, something to do with distance control. They played a, ma- a oh, yeah. match, which was quite a good story. Yeah, we. Um, I was just in um, in Dallas with them both, and we were playing this uh, match play game where um, I choose a random distance, and we um, get them to hit the shot, and the person who gets closest to that distance wins the hole. So it's a nine-hole competition. And um, Minwoo, I say, look, Min, I want you to hit at 135 metres. And he hits at 135.1 metres <laughs> and loses to, to his sister. <laughs> so she hit at 135 on the dot. <laughs> and then um, three holes later, he hits it to 129.9. We're going for 130 and he loses again. <laughs> and um, so in, in nine holes, he's, uh, he's had two shots where he's knocked it to 10 centimetres and lost. <laughs> So, so um, I guess that shows you the level that she's at with her ball striking. It was amazing to see Richie Minji carry the bag of Minwoo at the Masters for his debut, and you know, she could walk down the street, and it's been spoken about before, and and a lot of people wouldn't recognise her. Although that's not going to happen when she does become world number one. But uh, what do you think that gave her, or what do you know from that experience? Minji being able to be at Augusta and, and see and experience and feel that atmosphere of the Masters? I don't know if it gave her – I think it, in some ways it, it pissed her off because, um, you know, there's the world number one and she's only able to caddy at that tournament. So um, or soon to be world number one, we hope, caddying at an event mm. in, a, um, in a par three competition. Um, I, obviously she's really proud of her brother but I think that she'd rather be there playing in some sort of women's event if that ever could happen. Richie, uh, 
the, the the siblings we're talking about, they've had their they've both got this length about them. Uh, Minwoo, his length is legendary. I think he, he led the European Tour uh, when it was back called the European Tour and his rookie season might have been the longest. Um, and Minji, you know, when you look at the stats that they were putting up when she won her second major, had put on 17 yards in the last two years. And uh, I'm really keen to know a little bit about their length from both of them. I mean, Minwoo's had it for a long time. Minji's just found it. Can you, can you give us a bit of an idea of of how they got there? The pair of them. Um, look, I think um, power and length uh, is is a long term sort of a um, project, especially with Minji because Minji's not. I wouldn't say she's overly dynamic. She's, um, you know, she's been a grinder, and we've had to work at that. Um, look, it's a multifaceted question. First question, the first part of that question is they need to be physically capable. Yep. I think those two screen better than any golfers that we've ever had, um, certainly that I've ever had. And I think probably screen, like physically, physically screen better than any golfers from Australia in the last 10 years. Okay. So, so for people listening um, who don't understand the screening bit, you, you're talking about where they're strong, where they're flexible, all the good stuff in golf, correct? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Basically how their anatomy is made up. So... Um, Minwoo is very fast. He's, he's just he's exceptionally dynamic, um, but he's also a free wheeler, so he's learnt to be really dynamic, and that's part of the problem at the moment with his golf is that uh, we need to bring some of those dynamics back and actually get it a little bit more controlled. And Minji, well, you know, Minji was fake fast when she was a little kid, so she was um, not stable, really slappy hand speed, uh, which created club speed way too much body um, rotation, way too much. And um, we pulled that back maybe, I don't know, six six years ago, five years ago. From She was at about a 90, she was at about a 97 an hour driver speed. And we, moved, we brought it back to 92. And the interesting thing with that, Mark, was that um, her greens and regulation numbers went up by about 5%. Yeah. And that was just about starting to coordinate body segments better and actually get a better control of the ground. So once we had control of the ground, and that took a couple of years, we decided, well, Minji, why don't you just go and belt it now? And, um, you know, we've obviously been pretty pretty hard on her in the gym. Like her, her, her strength coach is quite um, adamant that she should have been stronger and her physios knew that we could get her stronger. So I just let them do it. And... Um, and then we just try and get her to knock the cover off it, and she's starting to. Total um, strength, you know, we're talking at legs, core, arms, the whole lot, or was there a particular area that you looked at that would help that technique that you're talking about? Uh, well, we made her very – she's very strong through her lower half. So as with most of the Korean girls, they're quite strong through their lower halves. So um, – and as with all golfers, we're, we're looking at um, – a lot of those Olympic lifts, like squats, steadies, um, just trying to make sure that um, their lower half is stable. Yeah. Because we believe that um, it's it's not about how fast we can move those hips, but how well do those hips support the upper body and how that upper body then powers the shot. Yeah. And, um, and you know, then we look at stability of the shoulders, 
because stability of the shoulders determines the arm position. Yeah, we've been able to generate a fair bit of power. And no, I don't I don't think we've stopped yet. I think we can get a bit more. Hey, Richie, I'm really curious, and you've obviously got a beautiful window uh, into what golfers, modern golfers do in the gym these days. Uh, Tiger Woods said, he set a benchmark, you know, uh, for working in the gym. But when I look at him, I mean, he's a magnificent beach body, uh, but now it, it, it seems to me that golfers uh, and coaches and the people in the gym, they, they admired Tiger for his work ethic in the gym. But it doesn't look like the modern player. Well, they, you know, no one's doing curls for the girls anymore. I don't think. You know, the, their biceps. You, you don't see Dustin Johnson with the ba- massive biceps or the huge chest. Um, has there been a real, I don't know, movement in the in the world of golf to to change what a, a golfer's body looks like com- compared to the prototype? You remember David Duval? David Duval had the big biceps going to there as well for a while and. I reckon a lot of players copied it, but it, it's it's anything but these days. Look, it's a good question. We, well, certainly her team believe there's a certain chain of muscles which actually promote good movement, and they are really the postural muscles. We're not talking about the beach muscles. Yeah. Um, and we concentrate on those. Now, once those are really strong, then you can do the stuff that actually makes you look a little bit bigger. Mm. But, you know, for what for what purpose, Mark? You know, it's um, yeah, we're in the gym to get better at golf, not to not to be down the yeah. down the beach showing off. So, yeah. um, I think we want to be structurally sound because when we start moving the thing pretty fast, if we're not structurally sound, we get injured. And you know, so far so good, we have had no injuries from any of our players. Yeah, the stabilizers yeah. so important, Richie. It's it sounds like this great science. I've I've read that you said golf is an art form, not a science. Can you expand on that? Mm-hmm. I think that um. You know, if we go out and stand on the tee at the PGA Tour, there's a whole heap of different golf swings out there and, and um, you know, none of them look the same. Some, they have they have underlying characteristics that look similar. And if you if you dive into it, you'll see some similarities. But, um, you know, there's got to be room for idiosyncrasies and um, there's got to be room for um, your methodology that you learn as a little kid to be actually um, – still relevant when you're an older golfer mm-hmm. so um you know if we start trying to change people's dna that's when we start get into problems and i guess if you have a look at um the people that are you know in the top 10 players of the world nowadays a lot of them are still with their existing coaches that they had from when they were a little kid and um that's because those coaches understand what those golfers dna is so you know we get um Coaches coming in and trying to change golf swings, and then you ne- never hear of the golfer again. Take so, a, yeah, I, yeah, I think it is an art. I think it is an art form. I think it's also an art form as to when you give information and when you don't. So sometimes you, um, sometimes you have to look at things that are a little bit more holistic, but not so um, narrow-minded. Mm. Tapping into the the mental side of it, and, and thinking about Minji for the moment, she's obviously world number two behind Jin Young Ko. Let's say she does. She does reach world number one. We've said it, you know, in, in this show right now. How is she positioned to handle that and the spotlight and the pressure? Given she's quite an introverted uh, person, naturally. Well, I don't think Jin Young Ko is except, you know, showing great personality out there at the moment of myself. But um, 
I think if three years ago that she couldn't have done it. I think she would have struggled. And I think that's partly why she's never really um, shown her true um, ability. But now I think she's become a little bit more mature. She's a bit smarter. Um, she's certainly more media savvy. I think that um, she'll be able to handle that really easily quite now. And I think, um, you know, I think that you're starting to see a real determination to get there, which I think in the past has been um, not as evident. I think she's been a bit anxious about it, to be to be honest. And, of course, Rich, I hope you've written it into your contract that uh, if she gets to number one, you get a little bonus there. I will I'm not in for money, Blakey. Not in for money. No. Blakey, you've been in for trophies. In all seriousness, <laughs> I'm in it for my ego. <laughs> in all seriousness, you've had some great success as a coach who weren't a, an amazingly successful pro player. I think you've only played two years mm-hmm. on the on the tour. I'm just wondering if you could describe, you know, why is it that you've you've had that success? You know what. What's the philosophy behind what you do and where, where's that success come from, do you think? I think when I was a player, I had some weaknesses that were well hidden behind a tough exterior. <laughs> so um, maybe not a tough exterior. So um, I remember um, walking, I was at AIS at the time and I was walking with my sports psychologist and he was saying, oh, look, you're so ready, you're so ready and, you know, and I thought that was a load of bullshit because I knew I wasn't very ready. Mm. And um, I thought that um, I thought that you know I would learn on the go, and I thought that I would be able to hide from my little weaknesses in my game. And um, I never, I guess, I never wanted my players to feel that way because I felt very um, uh, insecure in myself. So I hope that I ask the hard questions and I delve in a little bit deeper than what I actually had in my own game. So um, it's also a lot easier now with statistics. So I can look at someone's stats and say, look, this is weak, this is weak. Um, I I, I hope also that I've um, promoted a pretty open conversation so that if someone does feel bad, I can... They'll tell me, and I've also hoped that um, I've promoted a situation where if I say, "Look, it's really bad at the moment," they know it's bad, and if it's really good at the moment, they know it's really good too. So, um, yeah, I guess it's a case that yeah, my golf was um, susceptible, and I'm hoping that I'm producing players that aren't susceptible to pressure. And I just wanted to drill into your, your commentary about work ethic. I, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I was at a tournament last summer where you had Minwoo there and he was there at the course all day. He wasn't playing in the event, but he was there all day practising. And I was speaking to you about it and you, you looked across at the driving range because it was a weekend, so the, the cut had been made and there was hardly a player, I think maybe one player on the driving range who'd missed the cut. And you made, you, I think you, I don't know whether you remember this, but you you made a comment to me about uh, the need for, for work ethic. You felt that, that that driving range should have been full. Um, so I'm wondering whether you think that all players understand how hard they do have to work. Yeah. Um, that was at a, a, PGA, a secondary PGA Tour event in WA, and I was really pissed off because um, it was the afternoon of a Friday and uh, Min had been out there for what, five hours and it was about three o'clock in the afternoon, and there were seven people in total in total practicing, 
after their morning wave. So that's 65 players went out in the morning and two hours later, there was only seven people still there practicing. So mm. these are the players that supposedly are trying to develop their game to get onto a higher two and there's seven left. And I just thought that's disgraceful. In fact, we we're on the chipping green for probably four hours and we didn't see one player come to the chipping green all afternoon. That is a disgrace. So that so for those people to be, you know, um, and trying to say that their level is uh, their golf level is at, uh, you know, has has oh they've achieved so much in their golf that they don't need to practice. It's a bit of an indictment, I reckon. Hey Richie, how far can Minwoo go talking about all the little intricacies of his game? And, uh, and he's tapping more into that mental strength and the work ethic that his sister shows. I certainly think he can be a world top 20 player. Um, I think he has the talent to be that. Most importantly, he has the um, the mental characteristics. Like he um, he's much better under pressure than he is not under pressure. Um, there's not too many elements of his game that are lacking I think um, his approach plays pretty poor, though. So uh, once we actually get him to uh, meet the lengths that he's trying to hit, then once we get that, I think he'll be a very, very sound player. And um, you'd be surprised how far he'll go. And Hannah, but that'll take a while to get there, Tiffany. Yeah. And, and uh, Hannah? Hannah can be a world top ten. Oh, look, we are having this discussion with Hannah yesterday. I think, um, you know, her goal this year was to make world top ten. I, um, I think she's probably there already, though she hasn't got a win, um, and that's why the ranking is a bit lacking. But a lot of people don't realise her top 10 percentage is the same as Minji's this year. Mm. So um, uh, she's she's really close. Mm. Um, and then, you know, once you're top 10, who knows what you can do. I think um, anything's possible. You can see the coaches that miss the little stats that we ignore sometimes. As you, you said know, at the start of the Both players, same percentage of the top 10s. Yeah. Very nice, Richie. Richie, thank you so much. Certainly some really exciting right. times ahead and we really appreciate your time early in the morning, Perth time. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks, thank you, sir. Coming up after the break, all the news from around the traps with Dane Heverin. Time now to welcome Australian golf writer Dane Heverin. Lots of news uh, for the past week, but we've had a couple of top 10 performances from our men. Thank you, Tiff. Yes, we have. Cam Davis, tight eight from the PGA Tour. Marco, just the other week you were talking about how mm. you feel like he's ready to explode. Well, I reckon that might have been Martin at first, <laughs> and I just jumped on the wagon. But, yeah, I, I really do. And the limited amount of time that I saw him on the weekend, nothing's changed from my opinion. I mean, he's, he's looking very, very sharp. I mean, a couple of putts drop early in rounds one and two, and uh, I think he's ready to take another step. Well, he's ranked number 75 in the world. He's pocketed, I think it was US 215,000 or thereabouts. Mm. Bad weekend's work. Thereabouts. And importantly now, he's had three top tens in his last seven starts. So he's mm. really starting to find a bit of consistency. Unfortunately, he's not in the field for the Open next week, though, which is a shame. But um, one man who is is Lucas Herbert, who defending champion at the Irish Open this week, came tied ninth. and um, Finished pretty strong. Yeah. Four, birdied four of the last five holes. Did he really? Um, so he played himself out of it, didn't he, Dane? He, and then... he shot 40 on the front nine. 
in the last round. <laughs> and then he, ab- he absolutely stormed home with a 31 on the back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gee, he looks strong at the moment. I mean, I, I remember him as a skinny little kid. I got to play with him somewhere in a tournament. and He was sitting about 100 metres past me, the bugger. <laughs> uh, and he's just a skinny little kid. But, yeah, look at him now. And he's a strong human being. He flogs the ball. Yeah, he's a strong human. The thing is, hitting the ball very far at the moment. But he was a little bit wayward ac- across the week in Ireland. So... He still comes tied ninth. Mm. If he can tidy that up a bit, you know, what can happen at St Andrews for him? And the other top ten we had over the weekend was over on the Corn Ferry Tour. Harrison Endicott mm. came ninth, mm. which was a really important result for him because that puts him nineteenth on the Corn Ferry standings. So top twenty five get the PGA Tour mm. card at the end of the year. Yeah. So he's got a win on the list earlier this year. So um, that's awesome. For, for yeah, Harry. that is good. So if you finish the top 25, you'll get a card, but then you can also play in the full series of events to try and get a different number. Is that the way it works? I think it is. I think it is. Mm, I yeah. think so. Yep. Um, the other big announcement we had last week was the Australian team for the World Amateur Teams Championships in Paris in August and September was announced. So uh, Richie Smith, who we actually had early on the show, is captaining the men's side, and Kari Webb is looking oh, after wow. the female team. Gee, that's great, isn't it? Yeah, Carry to do that. That's the first time. That's unbelievable. Yeah. She's outstanding. I just that, love, that is the first love time everything it, she does. The, the whole thing about it is that it's being played at Golf National, which yeah. uh, is the venue for the Olympics yeah. in 2024. And Kari is the cap, going to be the captain of right. the Australian team there. So they wanted to get over there. And, and she's, plus, she's doing some she for, forward scouting. These players. She's already a mentor for. Those three women already, Kirsten Rudgley, uh, Kelsey Bennett and Madison Hinson. What a highlight for them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, continuing with Kari, there's a a bit of news on the scholarship, which is such a generous and great initiative of hers. Yeah, well, just quickly to backtrack as well, Connor McKinney, Harrison Crowe and Hayden Hopewell, the men's team. So we've got two very strong teams competing there. But, yes, um, Kirsten and Kari will sort of continue their relationship over in Paris. Kirsten and um, Caitlin Pierce just spent a week with Kari over at the KPMG Women's PGA. And there's a story up on the Golf Australia website from last week on their experiences of that of Caitlin Pierce beat Kari twice. Wow. Played, which is absolutely amazing. And um, Kirsten Rudgley taught her a new bunker shot. Taught Kari? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Fairway bunker, I think, wasn't it? So have yeah. you sp- have you had a chat with all of them? Yes. So what, what did she teach her? So she was sort of wouldn't really give it away too much, but Kirsten's renowned as a fantastic mm-hmm. bunker player. Yeah. And she just sort of laughed about it and she said, she's like, oh, I hit this shot and Kari just sort of stopped and looked and goes, what was that? Show yeah. me how you, yeah. you did that. And she's just like, oh, she's like, oh I just sort of hit it and didn't give it too much thought and ran it through her and that's coming Kari from, thought it was amazing. That's coming from the Brett Rumford bag of tricks. So, uh, yeah, rummy has got all the way to Carrie Webb there. Fantastic. Hey, and uh, before we go, one more story. And our June Visionary of the Year winner has been announced. Let's find out how he's been exponentially growing the game of golf amongst girls in the Ballarat region as we welcome Andrew Cartledge, PGA professional of Ballarat Junior Golf Academy. Andrew, congratulations. And what's the secret to your success? Oh, just consistency, I think. Um, you know, a few years ago, I decided I was going to set up a junior golf academy and, you know, really year on year, it's grown, you know, for the past 10 years. But I suppose, you know, there, there's always been a need to try and promote girls golf a little bit better. And I think uh, Golf Australia realised that. So they've they've initiated a few different 
uh, I suppose, programs, you know, like the Australian, Australian Golf Foundation Junior Girls Scholarship. Mm. And also there's My Golf Girls Golf Now. So just linking in with those programs, you know, heading out to schools and actually talking to girls that might be interested in golf, that's where it all starts. Mm. And then just following through. Um, so my programs run all year round. We don't stop. So the consistency part of it, if you get girls involved and you're running a six-week program and then you stop, they tend to stop. Mm. Andrew, you're you're working at the the coalface of, of this, and you know the game clearly has a an issue that we need to to do do really strongly on this this area of getting girls involved. Um, what are the issues for young girls in golf? What are the what are the problems that you see? that you need to address and what do you need to get right with the, with young girls to keep them involved and keep them engaged in the game? Well, I think I think it's just the amount of girls that play. So if there's not enough so there's girls not enough. playing, yeah, if there's not enough girls playing in an in a particular area, they don't bond, mm-hmm. they don't organise golf meets, they don't make the friendships and, you know, golf's a fairly solitary sport, which, you know, but boys have a lot more can-do attitude, like they just fall in love with hitting a golf ball. Mm. But I think when when little girls start, especially the smaller ones, it's got a lot to do with doing it with others. The social aspect. The social aspect of it. And if you've got a group of little girls, like they'll turn up every time. Yeah. But but if you've got one or two that are mixed in amongst the boys, you, you they drop out. Yep. You, they just don't get the same experience. So now that we've got dedicated classes for girls, you know, they just don't miss. You know, if there's mm. 12 girls in a class, they're there every week. Um, and, you know, perhaps there's a bit more chit-chat going on than, than the boys' classes, you know, but that's all part of yeah. it, isn't it? Hey, Cass, you know, yeah, what are you doing to keep it fun? Because you know, as far as I can see, I've got a, you know I've got kids growing up. The kids aren't doing it if, if it's not fun. What what sort of stuff are you doing to make it fun for them? Oh, all sorts of things. Modify modify the games. Don't make them go out and play off the ladies' tees when they're little. Yeah. Um. So you know, shorten the courses. That's the first thing. You know, when when we go out on a Saturday afternoon or something, we've got the super short course, the short course, the ladies' course, the men's course, yeah. all in operation. You know, if they're if they're five or six years old, they deserve to play golf. Yeah. You know, they they really do. So, you know, um, set up a set up a golf course that's only hundred meters long each hole. Yeah, and I they, can, they can they can get there for two, and then just modifying the games we play as well. So make them play a lot of team games. Like uh, a few, it's three or four years ago we piloted a a, a junior league uh, for Golf Australia in Ballarat. We were the first ones to do it, and basically it was a two man Ambrose team versus another two man Ambrose team, and you know, one kid misses it off the tee, the other kid hits it, you know. Off they so go. So the, the, the pressure's off. Yeah, nice. Like, you know, the pressure's off. Um, one of them's generally going to hit a good shot and the other guy, you know, he can hang in there and he'll get it done later on in the round. But, you know, using formats where it's not just all up to the individual. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, is really good. 
You've got 140 kids or thereabouts in total. How, how do you manage them all? What are you doing to tap into like, community instructors, et cetera? Oh, look, I'm a bit lucky in Ballarat. I've got plenty of backup. So, you know, Ballarat Golf Club's a big club. Um, so we've got four pros there, but also with community instructors, you know, that's a great initiative by Golf Australia and the PGA to actually embrace community mm. instructors to actually help us out. So I've got a couple of young guys who are 16 or 17 years old who have done their community um, instructor coaching and, you know, they're two, two handicappers so they're, you know, who've been training with me for years. So they're really on the ball as far as the, the style of training. Yep. And so they, they just tandem with me because if we've got groups of 14 or 16, um, you can't be – you know, doing golf instruction with all of them at the one time. So we normally split it up. You know, there's the serious instruction where you're looking at their swings and getting them to do drills and then they're off playing games or doing something competitive with the community instructor and we, we sort of tag along like that and it, it's working brilliantly. All right. Well, Andrew, you've got you've won yourself a $500 Drummond Golf gift voucher and you're in the running for $10,000 of Callaway products specifically designed for women's golf. So all the best and uh, thank you so much for the great work you're doing. Thanks, Tiffany. I'm off to Drummond's to get a new putter right now. <laughs> Enjoy it. All right, Andrew Cartridge there, our winner for, for June, visionary of the year. Coming up next, we've got Marco's Masterclass. Time now for Marco's Masterclass. Now, Marco, I'm taking a, a group of friends, local women yep. in the Albert Park area, down to the driving range uh, every Sunday morning, and we've been having a lot of fun. Now we're going into the bunkers and they've asked me Ooh, a few questions, and yeah. I kind of know how to play, but I don't really know. So can you give me some yes. tips? I want to know where I position myself. Okay. So uh, what I see, um, everyone knows to open their stance when they get into a bunker, or if you don't know, I am left. It, it won't be long until you do know because it's, it's the most common thing they do. But the way you open up your stance, if you just stand there square at the ball and then just open the stance, the middle of your stance has now changed. And quite often when people do it, the ball is now all the way back. And if the ball's too far back, you can't actually get the ball up over the lip. So you've got to actually move back, if you're a right-hander, back and around like a little a bit. Face. That's right. So the ball always has to be in between your feet. That's the easiest way I can do it. So if you open your stance, draw a line in between your feet, and the ball's got to be on that line. So That's not, the easiest not towards one. the front foot. Not 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 towards the front. No, just just I, I love it in the middle. Okay. If it's in the front, then you in a, in a, you end up leaning forward to get to it. The, the ball's always in the middle of your stance. So again, when you're standing square to where you want the ball to go and you decide to open it up, just draw a line when you practice of where the middle of the stance is and move to that point. And how hard do you hit your shot? Yeah, you've got to hit it hard. Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing in the bunkers is because it's only a little shot, people make a little swing. But in actual fact, you're not hitting the ball clean. Don't you, touch the ball, do you? No, you don't touch yeah. the ball. So you've actually you – know, I always tell people to make a long and loose swing. And the best way to do it is if the ball's not going very far, it's because you're not hitting it hard enough. It's as simple as that. All right, time for some sand play for me this week. Happy week. <laughs> See, you guys. See you guys. See you next week.